Welcome to the Successful Farming Podcast. I'm Jody Henke. After a long winter, you're anxious to start rolling in the field and get the spring growing season underway. Making sure your sprayer is up to snuff will eliminate unneeded breakdowns and a few choice words. Joining me on this podcast is Jim Reese. He's a vice president for product development at Precision Laboratories in Waukegan, Illinois. Jim, before we talk about the nuts and bolts of getting a sprayer ready, Let's talk about the people who are doing the spraying and how they need to be mentally ready for the task at hand. That's a great point. You know, I think oftentimes our sprayers are more ready than we are. You know, most of us clean our sprayers at the end of the season. We winterize them, we put them away, and there's a gazillion checklist to run through in the spring to make sure that our sprayers are ready to go. But really the question is, is your sprayer more ready than you are? I think now is the time to get ourselves mentally prepared for all the things we have to do going into the spray season. And, you know, I really think about it being in terms of uh, what you're mixing, how you're mixing, how you're going to spray what you've mixed, how you're going to clean out of the sprayer, and then ultimately when you're going to do all this cleaning. So you really have to think ahead before the wheels start rolling. Absolutely. Just for example, when you start thinking about what are you going to be mixing, are you sure the mixing sequence, right? Tank mixes are getting more complicated. Uh, you can actually use an app. We actually have an app that's free. It's called Mix Tank that'll help sort out the mixing sequence for you. But you also probably ought to do a compatibility check. If you're using UAN as a carrier or you're thinking about adding some ammonium thiosulfate to your application, you probably want to conduct a jar test. There's easy ways to do jar tests too, by the way. You can actually get compatibility test kits. You can find them online. Actually, Precision even offers them just as a really easy way to do a jar test to make sure what you're going to do the sequence is right, and you're going to have good physical compatibility. And you might actually find that you'll have to modify your mixing sequence. For example, if you're using ammonium thiosulfate, generally we think of that being a fertilizer and that's part of the carrier, but we actually found that you can have a lot better compatibility by adding ammonium thiosulfate to the very last thing you put in the tank. When we come back, we'll talk about visual inspection of your sprayer and what to look for. Stay tuned. Let's talk about the visual inspection. What should a producer look at specifically when they do a walk around of the machine? Well, the first thing I'd do is I would pull my end caps off again and make sure that I did, in fact, get everything cleaned out of my spray booms last fall or last summer when I put my sprayer away. I pull screens and strainers, make sure they're in good shape, they're clean. Always filling out the system with water first and pressurizing it and just running through an entire sequence to make sure we've got no leaks. Always a good place to start. Also would think about nozzle selection, too. Actually, this is one of the other things we think about. What nozzles am I going to use based on the tank mixes? Do I have the best nozzle for the application? What spray volume should I be using to optimize the performance of the tank mix, too? That's something to consider. I would suggest if you're spraying different tank mixes with different modes of action and you're always using the same nozzle and the same GPA, you probably haven't optimized the performance for all your tank mixes. And that means you're just not getting the biggest bang for your buck. It's also, too, thinking about nozzle selection and adjuvants. It's not just about drift control or injuring your neighbor's fields. It's also improving deposition in your field and keeping your spray and your product and your investment working for you on your fields. You talked about the mixing. How important is it to have every little drop of any past chemical out of there? Because I read somewhere like just half a teaspoon can ruin a thousand gallons of water. Is that true? 
Well, certainly uh, small amounts, especially some of the products we're dealing with today, can cause big problems. And that's why we start thinking about the whole spraying process and getting ready now, things you need to think about. You know, how are you going to clean out your sprayer and when you're going to clean it out? So a terrible time to figure out, for example, that you need to be using a compatibility agent is when you start plugging up the sprayer and you're plugging up strainers and nozzles. And those are just symptoms of a problem. So part of keeping your sprayer clean and making it easier to clean out is keeping it clean. So you need to think about it as a preventative issue. So compatibility agents can be really useful in ensuring an easier clean out later. In addition to that, when are you going to clean it out? And I like to think about sprayer clean out more like sprayer hygiene. And we should treat our sprayers like we treat ourselves. We don't just take one shower during, or two showers during the spray season. And we shouldn't uh, have the same hygiene practice for our sprayer either. So probably more frequent cleaning is the key to successful cleanouts later. Many tank mixes will actually settle out overnight. And some will settle out within 30 minutes with no agitation. Now, you can always bring these products back into suspension, or usually you can bring them back into suspension in the tank. But keep in mind, there's no agitation in the spray lines and the booms. So products can settle out and just stay there. So just like showering is a good idea every day, or at least every couple days, probably cleaning your spray out that frequently is a good idea too. And if nothing else, just we'd recommend purging the spray boom at the end of each day. Several manufacturers have started to address this issue through design features that will allow you to purge the boom at the end of the day. Uh, if you've got an older sprayer, you just may need to use uh, some of that rinse water that you carry on board to flush the booms at the end of the day. And, of course, using a good tank cleaner that can build alkalinity and also has a good detergent system is critical in all that. What about end caps? Are these dead spots where chemicals can hide? Oh, absolutely. In fact, if you're going to be really good at preventing cross-contamination, you almost have to become the uh, the king of chemical hide-and-seek. So start thinking about where chemicals can hide, and it's in the end caps. That's where you see a lot of buildup, and that's why I like to flush booms at the end of each day. But also, um, any hoses that sag. Some of the formulations we deal with after uh, just a short period of time of no recirculation, they will actually settle out. So start thinking about all those swales or those hoses that hang down, and that's another great place to look for potential for cross-contamination and products to build up. What about making sure things are kind of tied up so the hoses have their flexibility to move around the boom and so forth? Zip ties, I understand that's quite a handy tool to have around when you need something attached to where it needs to go. Yeah, actually, a zip tie is a great way to prevent those sags in the hoses, right? Because when you see those sags or those valleys, you've clearly got enough hose there. It's just hanging in the wrong direction. So what I like to do on those is take a zip tie, hang them up so that you've got an inverted U. So you've got product that drains out of that area and never accumulates at the bottom of those sags. What about the hoses themselves? What are you looking for in terms of uh, something eating through them? Yeah, that's usually on a lot of the manufacturer's checklist to check hoses for checking or stretching. Certainly some of the EC formulated herbicides tend to wear uh, like APDM hoses out much faster than different types of hoses. And there's actually been some studies done on hose quality or hose type. And uh, sprayer manufacturers can give you a good grasp on what type of hose you should be having on your sprayer. If you haven't changed hoses or plumbing in your sprayer for a number of years, it might be time to uh, consider replumbing the sprayer here before the season starts.
talk about the importance of reading the labels on your chemicals. You talked about mixing order and so forth, but do a lot of people just kind of say, oh, I know how to throw this one in and I throw that one in? Yeah, mixing sequence is so important. And uh, sometimes we just get into habits, right? So we went from, what, 97 for at least 10 years or maybe longer where we were just spraying Roundup. And so it was pretty easy to mix Roundup with water or Roundup with adjuvants. And we could get into some really bad habits about putting Roundup and the adjuvant actually in our inductors altogether. And then we started adding more tank mixes as we were fighting tank mix partners as we were fighting resistant weeds. And now all of a sudden you've got different types of formulations and mixing sequence becomes very, very important. I wish I could tell you that every product label has really clear instructions on mixing sequence, but they don't. Many products assume that they're the only thing going in the tank, so they don't really address all the tank mix partners and formulations. And quite truthfully, it's it's really hard to figure out what specific formulation many products are. A lot of labels just don't tell you that they're an EC or a suspension concentrate or a suspo emulsion. And the fact that we you know we have those types of formulations today you know, the old whale mixing sequence doesn't really apply. It's hard to get it to apply because we have so many more different types of formulations. Again, that's where I'd recommend our Mix Tank app. You can download it from the App Store. It's free, and you can actually build recipes and load sheets. But really, one of the best things that the app does is just sorts out the proper mixing sequence based on the formulation type. And we've worked with the basic manufacturers to actually identify the right formulation types for their products, even though they don't necessarily tell you on their label. Applicators can't control everything in the field, but spraying during temperature inversions is one that can be avoided so the chemicals land where they're supposed to. We'll talk with Jim about recognizing temperature inversions when we return. Jim, how do you know if there is a temperature inversion, and why is it so important to avoid spraying while it's happening? As you know, temperature inversions are our spray drops is just hang and they don't really have a lot of good direction. So they tend to be suspended for longer periods of time. Actually, it's not as hard to determine an inversion as we think it is. As you can see an inversion in the morning when you see fog rising up, when you've got fog out, there's clearly an inversion. When you see smoke rising up and then kind of hitting a layer and just going laterally, that's a good sign of a, an inversion. So you can see them. You can smell an inversion. You're outside and you smell somebody burning wood or there's a fire somewhere, but you don't see smoke and you can't really tell where it's coming from, but you can smell it. Really good indication there's an inversion. You can also hear an inversion. So when you hear that tractor in the next section over that you normally wouldn't hear, but you hear it today or that morning, that's a pretty good indication of an inversion as well. So it's really critical that we avoid inversions. And that's not just for spraying dicamba or 2,4-D. It's just good practice in general to avoid inversions. So we make sure all our product gets on our field and doesn't go anywhere where we really don't want it. And is there technology, like you'd mentioned apps before, that can help them determine if there's an inversion? Actually, there are, Jody, and I don't know the apps specifically off the top of my head. The funny thing about inversions is they're a lot more complicated than we think they are. So even local weather might not give you a good idea of whether you actually have an inversion or not. You know, one of the other great ways to determine whether you've got an inversion in the field that you're moving to or getting ready to spray is you can buy smoke bombs and you can drop smoke bombs. And that's a really good indicator of what's going on in your field at the time you're getting ready to spray. What do you see for technological advances coming in sprayers? I was out two summers ago with John Deere at their research farm 
you know, some of the things they're doing with sprayers. It was amazing, the technology. I started my career in agriculture, well, other than being raised on the farm. My first custom application job, I sprayed for a, a grower that was not my family in 1977 with a John Deere 550 pull-type sprayer with probably like a 40-foot boom at most. And then I was a custom applicator for years after that. So I compared the technology that they have at their disposal today to what I did back in the day. It's just amazing. And there's some really cool stuff that's going on that will help even further ensure the best application and keeping it all on target. Yeah. Any final thoughts, Jim? I think my final thought is your sprayer most likely is more ready than you are. So make sure that you're ready. And what that means is, you know, are you ready for what you're going to be mixing, how you're going to be mixing it, how you're going to spray it, how you're going to clean it out of your spray system, and then when you're going to do it. And if you can answer all those questions, I think you're going to be as ready or maybe more ready than even your sprayer is. Jim Reese of Precision Laboratories, thanks for joining me on this podcast. And thank you for listening. For Successful Farming, I'm Jody Henke.